Hi, I'm glad you found me on the podcast dial. This is Mark's Musings, a podcast hosted by WCTV, Wilmington Community Television, in Wilmington, Massachusetts, where I talk about my writing activities. You can find this podcast on the web at wctv.org slash podcast and also on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check in each week at wctv.org to find the latest episodes. My podcast program generally consists of three parts, an author interview, a reading from one of my books, and I talk about my current writing activities. Each episode is about 20 minutes in length with a new episode each month. You can find out more about me on my Facebook page, facebook.com Mark Ryan Books, and at my website, markryanbooks.com. In addition, you can find some of my short stories and books at lulu.com and amazon.com under my name, Mark K. Ryan. Stay tuned for the next episode. In this episode, I will be doing a reading from my latest book, Escape North, found on Amazon.com. This reading will be from chapter 6, 7, and 8. This is a reading from Escape North by Mark Ryan. Chapter 6, Ojos's Surgery. Stan called the vet by cell phone as he rapidly drove down the mountain roads. The vet's office was in the center of town. Dr. Abdul Karaj met Stan at the door and brought Ojos in for treatment. He quickly stopped the bleeding and took out the single bullet. However, Ojos had lost a lot of blood and was unconscious from the anesthesia. Dr. Abdul, an immigrant from Iraq, set up his practice two years ago. Since the nearest vet was 20 miles away, he was a welcomed addition to town. He traveled to the U.S. on a work visa with his wife and new baby girl. Their young daughter was now designated as a dreamer immigrant. Dreamers are part of the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals called DACA. Each dreamer had a renewable visa status for a two-year period that deferred any deportation action and allowed them to attend school or work. As a result, Dr. Abdul and his family were in constant fear that their visa status would not be renewed. Stan called Ojos's owner, Jose, and his family. When they arrived, Stan explained what happened, and they all waited anxiously to hear from the doctor. It would be a few hours before Ojos was out of danger. While at the vet's office, Jose confided in Stan about his immigration status and expressed concern that his wife, Maria, might be deported. Maria had no documents and had overstayed her work visa. She had applied for citizenship and was put on a waiting list, but that could take years. Jose came to the U.S. 20 years ago when his parents immigrated from Mexico 
and became a U.S. citizen. Their son, Juan, was born in the U.S., so he was a citizen by birth. After explaining his family status, Jose said, Each of us has a different immigration status. How do I straighten them this all out? I'm afraid to contact the government because of what might happen. They will separate us while figuring out what to do. Sand replied, Everything was fine until the new president was elected. Now everything is in turmoil. Maybe the mayor can set up an advisory committee to help people find the right way to go. He already declared Pineville a sanctuary city. I also heard that local churches are getting together to provide a buffer from the ICE agents to prevent detention or deportation. Jose continued, I have been in this community for 12 years and have always tried to do the right things. I pay taxes. We all work hard. My son goes to school. We don't commit crimes. We help out with community activities, and we go to church. Aren't all those things what it means to be a good citizen? Chapter 7. Demonstrations at the Border As Stan and Jose waited in the vet's office, they listened to updates on TV as CNN invited different guests to express their opinions and analysis of the immigration situation. As a result of the president's executive order, all travelers at U.S. airline terminals, train, and bus stations were stopped to check their papers. Even those with valid visas and green cards were detained for hours. Those with visas from seven banned countries were sent back to their country of origin. Some news reporters described it as a terrible mess. Families were separated and afraid of all the uncertainty. Immigrant students attending school in the U.S. could not re-enter the country after a visit out of the country. Immigrant business people, doctors, and teachers could not return, even with valid documents. The president had signed the orders without thinking about informing all the associated government departments and authorities. Commentators on CNN stated that the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. The collateral damage is just rampant. The mayor of Pineville was quoted to say, The president is making matters worse by calling up the National Guard. Within a few hours, a contingent of National Guard troops with jeeps and trucks were moving down Main Street to the Canadian border crossing located at the north end of Pineville. There, were even, there was even a Sherman tank on a flatbed trailer truck making its way down the street. Some local residents said, This is overkill. There is no clear and present danger. The president is surely fulfilling his campaign promises to protect the border, but this is outright fear-mongering. The local border crossing is looking like the Berlin Wall. On one side 
were G.I. Joe-type American troops, and on the other side were the Canadian Mounted Police, parading their horses up and down the border fence. In addition, the National Guard started using drones to patrol the border. They were frequently seen buzzing the border fence and local homes, creating a nuisance. Some local Yahoo residents even shot at the drones for target practice. Lastly, the president ordered that our northern and southern border walls be extended and existing fences being reinforced with barbed wire. One resident was quoted, it's like Nazi Germany, with, with all the patrolling, army trucks, tanks, soldiers, guards, dogs, drones, and fencing. Will the gas chamber be next? Even the redneck Rodney was down near the border crossing with his pink Cadillac and bumper stickers. He also had a loudspeaker on top of his car playing America the Beautiful. Other redneck followers started to gather and parade along Main Street. Most of the Reds who marched had worked in the local paper mill before it closed. Hundreds of townies were put out of work and they blamed the federal government as well as cheap immigrant workers. In the aftermath, the mill moved to China, where they could make cheaper paper and pay workers pennies. However, during his campaign rallies, the new president promised to make America great again and reopen the mills. Townies talked about it every day and wondered when the mills would reopen. Unfortunately, these were blind promises. You can't change the world economy with the wave of a hand like a magician. But people in dire straits will believe anything. Local police put up barriers along the sides of the street and kept people moving on the sidewalks. Other, more liberal groups began to arrive, ho holding up signs in opposition. Some read, Not my president, woman's rights, all lives matter. Immigrants make America great. Build bridges, not walls. The protest was peaceful for the most part, except for all the shouting. The Reds marched on one side of the street as the Blues marched on the other. The names were coined by the local newspaper for those who followed Rodney, the redneck, and the liberal townies who hung out at the Blue Nose Cafe. However, it also seemed to match the red and blue state's political designation. One side of the street shouted, All Muslims go back to Mexico. And the others would shout, Dumbass, Muslims don't come from Mexico. Chapter 8, Second Presidential Order after a few hours, another bulletin appeared on the TV that the Ninth Circuit Court halted the president's executive order and ruled it unconstitutional. The court ruled that he couldn't implement a ban on religious grounds that singled out one religious group like the Muslims. As the news of the court's decision circulated through the crowds, people began to disperse. However, some lingered, not knowing what to do 
with themselves. The protest was exciting. Now they had to go home to their humdrum existence. In one last disruptive action, Rodney's group marched up Main Street with the pink Cadillac out in front playing his theme song. Some marchers even borrowed their kids' high school band instruments and played a big bass drum and tooted a shiny tin tuba. Rodney drove his car slowly up the street, waving to onlookers like he was running for a political office. Some Reds said he looked good on a throne. The Blues responded and said, Yeah, but the prob should be a throne in an outhouse. During all this back-and-forth turmoil between the courts, the news media, and the White House, the President began tweeting his thoughts on Twitter. It was well known that the new guy was thin-skinned and couldn't stand criticism from anyone. Even his own family and closest staff members were afraid to voice their disagreement with his actions. In response to the bad press, he called the news releases fake news. He felt that he was being unfairly treated compared to his predecessors. Even the news media around the globe thought of the new guy as a clown and his actions like a circus. However, his buddies in the Kremlin were untouchable. He called Putin his friend and even shared classified secrets about how the U.S. was combating terrorism. In addition to his actions regarding immigration in the U.S., the president also showed his global clout by ordering the Navy Third Fleet Strike Force to sail off the Korean Peninsula. This was in response to North Korea engaging in a pattern of provocative behavior involving repeated nuclear and ballistic missile tests into the Sea of Japan. The North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un, was also thin-skinned and had secretly killed many of his rivals and even his own family members. Not being overshadowed by the new U.S. president, Kim Jong-un began his own Twitter war with other world leaders. He even made bold threats that his nuclear missiles were pointed towards all his enemies and that they better start treating him with respect or else. As the news regarding lifting the ban circulated around the world, immigrants viewed it as a chance to enter the U.S., some had already planned to come to America and had their paper documents, so they moved up their travel plans and booked immediate flights to the U.S. The airports were inundated with new arrivals. More legal immigrants also flooded to the U.S. border than normal. This really put a burden as border security and slowed down the normal vetting process. Some legal immigrants were visiting families. Others uh, already had jobs waiting, were looking for work or political asylum. Even the local border checkpoint between Pineville, New Hampshire and Canada was more crowded than usual. 
You could see the normal travel buses, campers, and cars at the gate with the regular Canadians visiting the U.S. for a vacation, but mixed in were the foreign travelers who needed the extra scrutiny. Border guards did their best to screen all the visitors and make sure they weren't wanted criminals or drug smugglers. Throughout the years, many travelers settled in Pineville after finding jobs in local businesses. A lot of immigrants ended up working in hotels, restaurants, farms, and factories. Some of the jobs were hard work and not easily filled nor wanted by the local townies. However, the newcomers gratefully took the low-wage jobs because they had mouths to feed. The reverse also happened since they knew the volatile nature of the new president. Any day now, he would invoke another executive order to oust all undocumented aliens. Even though he was recently sympathetic to the DACA children, it was all show and he wanted to wipe the slate clean. A lot of undocumented immigrants decided that it was time to escape to Canada, where they would be welcomed without prejudice. Now was the time to go, before they were rounded up, put in detention or prison, and deported back to the country of origin. Well, that's it for this episode of Mark's Musings. Come back next time at wctv.org slash podcasts. Bye-bye. Thank you.